0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to a new edition of the Salvia's Godcast. I'm
1: TJ Scoopy. He is Zach Meisel. What is up, brother? Nothing. I'm stressing trying to find you a random Indian of the day.
0: Well, we're not even there yet, dude. You've got like 40 minutes to hopefully look one up and find one that we haven't done before. You mentioned it, though, right before I hit record. We have done this show so long, which that in itself seems ridiculous. When I actually go back and look at the numbers of episodes that we've done, how much i don't feel like we've really ever talked about anything we have done so many former random ex-indians of the day that i feel like we're recycling them now haven't we done all of them
1: i'm really nervous that i'm going to pick one and it's going to be somebody we already did and then we're going to get people replying saying you already did that in (laughs) april 2017 and come on i'm not listening to this podcast all the way through just to get a familiar name who threw 32 innings for the Indians in 1997. <laughs> we already know that.
0: God, why do I listeners know the show better than we do? I know. There are things that I will say. Zach, remember when you said this? Or you could say, TJ, remember when we did that on the show? And I'll be like, nah. And then we'll get random tweets from somebody listening at the 57-minute mark of an episode that's three months ago making some random reference that we made known on, on Twitter. I don't know how they do it.
1: That's Delicious a good thing, though. Incredible. I mean, we, we're appreciative of everybody who listens and especially who can handle our bullshit for however long we talk, whether it's 30 minutes, 50 minutes, or two hours of babbling about a game that took place in October <laughs> 1997.
0: I was thinking about that today, actually. Uh, what game could be next? And Someone had tweeted some random highlights from Omar Vizquel, and it was game six of the world series in 97 that incredible diving play made against charles johnson gets up throws him out saves a couple of runs indians going to win that game and we know what ends up happening in game seven but i was thinking my brain was already starting to to go toward what what could we do next because we i feel like we have to do one more before we get into spring training because once the season starts all bets are off
1: i know what i want the next one to be. I just haven't told you yet. And I don't want to tell you on this podcast. Yeah,
0: don't tell me on the podcast. That'll ruin the surprise. But I'm
1: <laughs> I'm you'd have to for some reason really not want to do this game because it's <laughs> um it would be quite a homework assignment for us, but it's I think it would be so good. Well uh, don't we'll ruin it. it. Don't ruin it and
0: tell everybody what's coming as if they were an Astros hitter. Hey speaking of that <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have one quick, because we spent some time talking about this in the last podcast, and then more pieces of evidence came out, whether they were speculative or not. It was really funny to me that we got that day on Twitter where all hell broke loose, and it was one of the most fun days of baseball Twitter I can ever remember, where we went from, be, you know, be journalistically sound and use ethics to, oh my God, is that a piece of tape on that guy's shirt? Tweet it out! <laughs> there was no holding back um, you didn't have to have any ethics on that day it was t- a terrific day unless you were of course a member of the Astros but my favorite part about that day is that later on we had players through their agents coming out and saying at no point did I ever wear an electronic device and they were addressing this shit like it was totally crazy pants that, that, that this would happen that they could be wearing some sort of buzzer that would aler- alert them Of a certain pitch that was coming, and I'm thinking to myself, you're saying that's absolutely insane for that to be the case for us to think that's a possibility. You were literally banging on trash cans (laughs) and perhaps whistling. And there's evidence of it. You've been punished. It's not it's not speculating anymore. It's not allegedly. You were punished for this. This was actually happening. So I don't want to hear any any Astros player going, Well, that's that's totally crazy that I could be wearing a band-aid that somehow vibrates when a curveball is coming. Bullshit. You're out here doing all sorts of crazy crap. So we can't rule anything out as crazy anymore. No, 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 no. That's not the case. Yeah. No one's giving
1: you the benefit of the doubt. Like you are the heel. You are going to be booed (laughs) out of every stadium you play in this year, except Minute Maid Park. And even there, you're going to have some fans that are probably um, a little bit unhappy with you, but it's, they need to embrace it. You know, The day that MLB had last week, the NBA has that, like, a hundred times a year, you know, where you get players subtweeting each other, challenging each (laughs) other to fights. You get fans challenging each other to fights in Temecula. You get players players fighting fans in the stands. (laughs) You get players tweeting out random emojis that we're all supposed to decode. Um, It's... No, I, I will say one thing that's been really cool is fans having a voice and making a difference on social media. I mean, what John boy has done um, is, is incredible. And is like literally helping MLB investigations and helping us dig and and find the truth to these sorts of things. And there are people like that um, in the NBA too. And it's, it's, it makes for such a great experience. That's what baseball has been so far behind the eight ball in that domain. And I think everybody got a taste of like, here's what baseball, what, what sports can be, in the real world in 2020. Um, And, you know, obviously you don't want this huge scandal, but it's like, we, we need days like that. We need people to be super invested and we need players speaking out and being funny and challenging each other on Twitter and, and being honest. Um, So it was, man, it was fun to watch. And, and that's, that's the sort of thing I, I, I said this the other day to someone like, I don't care what the reasoning is. Finally, there, everyone was talking baseball in January. When does that ever happen? Um, and and even if it's bad publicity, I think in this in this particular instance, all publicity is good. It was
0: it was like if you were gonna have a scandal, at least make it fun as hell.
1: <laughs>
0: and, and it was, and I I can imagine every player that's on the other side or may have lost a job or got sent down because they got beat up by the Astros and now wonders whether or not that was real. Yeah, it wasn't fun for them. They were actually pissed, and it was good to see some some blowback because none of the Astros players actually took accountability for what they what they did. You know, they're still addressing it as if it's alleged. Oh, well, Major League Baseball said what they said, and, and there'll be a time and a place to uh, to address these th- What in the hell is the time and the place to address these things? Right, <laughs> It's now. It's now, buddy. Come up here and at least take your medicine. It would make it a – a little bit easier to swallow, I suppose, and you're going to, as you said, you're going to be the heels. So unless you unless you just completely plan on leaning into that this year and having your mas- mascot come out banging a trash can in the home opener, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I could not believe the the amount of players that just said, no, no, I, I'm not apologizing. I'm not doing anything for it. It is what it is, and we're moving on. Like, like they were the victim.
1: <laughs> well, and then... <laughs> And then you have one guy who just does not fit in this at all. And that's Michael Brantley. Like, I I would love to know how how involved he was. Was he? Well, I mean, I know they weren't doing that stuff last year. The, the bang on the trash cans, supposedly. I don't know. Um, or at least in the playoffs. But, like, what what did he know? And was he involved in this? And was he wearing buzzers? And he seems like... He would be so averse to any of that. He's always just go about my business, play the game the right way, be a professional hitter, spend a ton of time in the cage, talking to my dad about my swing, and it's like I, I could I cannot see him number one <laughs> stooping to those depths, but also number two being on a team that is full of heels, <laughs> and like I, and Michael Brantley cannot possibly be like among the faces of the villains in baseball. That just doesn't work.
0: <laughs> no, it doesn't. But there he is. And in, in fairness, we I, you have to say there was no evidence found by Major League Baseball that this continued into 2019. And...
1: But I have a question. Trevor Bauer posted a video and he, he retweeted it last week on that crazy day. <laughs> in November of 2019, he posted a video on Twitter joking that he was, I think he was going to... Play poker, play parts, yeah, yeah, and he had a band aid on his. You know, he was he was referencing that under his shirt. So, like, if if players, if other players knew about this in November before that part of this even came to light, like, there has to be some fire behind that smoke, right?
0: Well, we said it. They're not going to get any benefit of the doubt. So, even if that's not taking place, not a single player on the Astros can say it's unfair for anyone to wonder it. I'm sorry that not a single player can say that's unfair for you to assume that that could be a possibility that that's stopping short of declaring that somebody's doing it without direct knowledge of it. But if somebody's speculating about it, the only people the Astros have to blame are those that were on those teams. That's the only reason why this speculation is occurring. And as a result, now you have three managers gone in major league baseball at this date and how crazy that the Mets hire Beltran and Beltran doesn't even end up managing a game for them. I I mean, I This thing I don't even think we're even approaching even coming close to the the end of the saga.
1: No, I agree. It's
0: like well and last I also time-
1: you're not going to see a a random man in a suit also standing on the railing near the the opposing team's dugout with a an iPad and a cell phone and I don't think you're going to see any of that. Uh, Nor are you
0: probably going to have any of the managers saying, oh, they'd better take care of their own front porches before coming after us. Okay. Cool, man. Uh, So this might go on a lifetime. Speaking of which, uh, someone's going to get an award.
1: Jeez.
0: Were you the first person to reveal that? And what did your Twitter mentions look like that
1: day? So it's actually funny. I I mean it was I think it was I, I just got the press release or a notice from the Greater Cleveland Sports Commission and I I think I was I don't know if I was the very first, but I it was not out there on my timeline, so I tweeted it, Paul Dolan or the Dolan family, um will be receiving the Lifetime Achievement Award this year. And I just wrote that and then I put I put a couple spaces and I put logging off or logs off (laughs) I I mean I I knew what the what the reaction was gonna be and I it's it it is what it is that's fine but someone replied and thought that that was me like ripping the Dolans and he's like I mean this was clearly someone who supports ownership and and thinks they do a good job which whatever to to each of their own but like I replied to them, I was like, how is that? I was just saying, like, I knew what the reaction was going to be. How could you not? Like, it's, I don't know. Apparently there is someone out there who maybe doesn't know that, like, most fans aren't too fond of ownership, especially at the moment. Um, but it, it's, I mean, my initial reaction was like, "This seems kind of tone deaf given the timing, right? Like, i am st- I'm sitting here right now looking at the Indians opening day payrolls every year for the last i don't know this goes back a long time last 3 years 124 million on opening day 134 million on opening day 119 million on opening day and right now it's slated to be about 90 91 million and the person in charge of that who rarely if ever speaks to the media because every time he does he puts his foot in his mouth and says something that ends up hurting fan sentiment and ticket sales He's the only person that can answer that. He hasn't answered it. The front office can't answer for it and they just say, "Well, we're just, you know, we're not given any directive. You know, they're they're not going to diss their boss." And the only person who can answer that and hasn't answered it and therefore you have this Firestorm all off season is standing up there getting a lifetime achievement award. That's uh, not the greatest look in my opinion.
0: After 2016, I could have like right after yep. the signed I went in Yep
1: i could understand it
0: uh yeah right now Mm, no probably not so much i I feel like i addressed this last podcast that this is a a complicated situation if you're being honest about it and i hope everyone is though i understand fans that will (laughs) the biases personal biases will cloud that yeah that's their prerogative Get, as, as we say many times in this podcast, our job really isn't to tell you how to feel, despite that we often might try to convince you. Um, but it, you know, they, they have done good things as owners of the Indians. And, and, the and fact, good things fact...
1: that, would, that would earn you this type of award, too. I mean, you, you shouldn't just get this award because your team wins a World Series. You should get this award because you've made, made differences in all sorts of, of domains. And they have. It's just, it's not, it's not the right time for this. Mm, No. And also, let me, I do want to say this. There was a no brainer slam dunk choice and his name is Fred McLeod. And I'm sure they'll have a tribute of some sort. God, I hope so. But I mean, this was, this was teed up for them. And I'm really surprised that this is the route they took. And I mean, Tom Hamilton and Jim Donovan have won this award this decade or within the last decade, and like it, it was, I think it was such an easy choice to go with Fred McLeod. Do the Dolans next year when the payroll's fifty-five million? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who
0: knows what could happen? Um, yeah, the, the timing is not right because. All of the negatives that are part of this are, are what is being accented right now. And maybe maybe in many people's minds, the positives will never outweigh the negatives. This te- if this team never wins a World Series, particularly part of this Francisco Lindor period, I can understand why there would be frustration. We gave them credit when they inflated the payroll after the World Series in 2016, when they pushed some chips in with Incarnacion, with Jay Bruce... But that hasn't continued. And regardless of the reasoning, fans aren't going to want to hear that. They don't want to hear about the state of the financials and whether or not you're, you're making making money, losing money, breaking even. Nobody cares about that. They want to see particularly when their team is good. And that's the the biggest issue here with the Indians is that their team is actually really good. And too much of this gets lost because we have to focus a lot on ownership. And we We can't. We can't spend a lot of time talking about the team actually being good without looking like either <laughs> a shill or that you're neglecting something that's very important. It's a big part of this picture, but that's the part of the picture that gets the most attention at this point. And, and the, the team really is quite good and is positioned to be good again and contend in 2020. Probably not that far off, and, and maybe even arguably better than where they left off at the end of 2019. But what's the narrative? What have we been spending pretty much all of this offseason talking about?
1: Hey, I'm really excited to see James Karenchak and Emmanuel Classe and Brad Hand form a an unhittable back end of oh, the
0: Great Emmanuel Classe, the guy they got for Corey Kluber that they had to give away because ownership.
1: <laughs> right, like,
0: had, everything goes back to it like it's a six degrees of kevin bacon or whatever the hell that is yeah uh,
1: we should have played a fun game where you try to say anything positive about the team that can't be tied back to something <laughs> negative about ownership
0: well it's pretty simple you you said when we were talking about just things we could talk about on this po- podcast that maybe you're interested to see what oscar mercado looks like yeah well he's the
1: only good outfielder on the team because dolan's cheap
0: and he also makes the league minimum because that's the only thing they can pay guys on the team. All right, let me but, see if I <laughs> let me see, let me see if I can find another one. Uh, I'm really encouraged by the way Jose Ramirez came back in the second half and looked a lot more like himself.
1: Yeah, but dude, he's making so much less money than he deserves. <laughs> okay. And.
0: Um,
1: Well, I mean, I mean, I could say that they're very fortunate that he jumped at an absolutely ridiculous contract really early in his career, um, because otherwise we could be talking about Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez in kind of the same boat where you might have to trade both of those guys and you can't pay them.
0: Yeah, but think of the prospect return that you could get then.
1: All right. All right. I guess the point is, I mean, we're <laughs> making fun of this, but it's it's like I think we see both sides of it, too.
0: Right. No- it's real. Like you can't just say that it's not there, that it's not a big issue that they can't yeah. go out and spend money and not even like forget like the Dodgers, the Red Sox, the Yankees. We've said it a billion times. It's a broken record at this point. Nobody expects them to be that, but right. you should be able to to hang around and not be not be cutting. But if you got to find ways to finagle your way to maintaining the payroll okay if you can say that they maxed out a couple of years ago and they can never go higher than that at least not in the current landscape okay but the team is really good right now and when they should be adding final touches to the organization is when they're cutting back doesn't make much sense
1: well and it it bothers me because two things number one did you learn from last year when you sputtered out of the gate for two months and it basically cost you the division and not only are the Twins going to be good again, but the White Sox are probably going to be good as well. So you're going to have more reason to need April and May victories. And number two, if you do sputter out of the gate, you're going to corner yourself into having to trade Francisco Lindor. Like this season's going to go one of two ways. It's either the Indians are going to be in first place and bound for the postseason, or they're not, and Francisco Lindor is going to be playing elsewhere. <laughs> like, and so. You have control over which way you can lean, and yet they're just kind of sitting on their hands. And and again, yeah, no one is expecting, I don't even care, the payroll was $134 and change opening day 2018. No one even expects you to get back to that. It's not about the number. To me, it's about just recognizing glaring holes on your roster where there are areas they can upgrade. And just doing whatever it takes. If their payroll was $90 million right now, but they had a hot shot out, outfield prospect who was ready for the majors, I don't think as many people would be bitching about the payroll. But because they need an outfielder, because maybe they could use some depth in the bullpen or just any position player, basically, um, and, there and there the payroll a- is $90 million, that's where the frustration comes in. And, and, and there's are, no ob- defending that.
0: There are obvious yeah. fits, too, in right. free agency that would fit right comfortably into into the roster.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, it's, and, and we should mention, I mean, the stability that the Dolans have provided has been fantastic. I mean, Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff being in the positions they're in for as long as they've been, given how many front office people have been poached from the organization over the last, I mean, over the last, five to ten years, but honestly, even over the last twenty years, it's it's critical that the Dolans have done what's necessary to keep Antonetti and Chernoff around, and so that they can build a really stable front office structure. Because through that, they've built this pitching development factory that has helped them sustain winning. I mean, th- th- this is this can all be traced back to ownership. Um, and, and they've done some really good things on the international front, put their Dominican Academy um, pouring $10 million into that last year. So like there's plenty of good, but it's just like the one thing that you <laughs> really need them to be able to do to equip the front office with as many resources as they need. You haven't at a critical time, too. It's like eventually you're going to be bad, right? I mean, eventually you're going to I know the Indians want to avoid a tanking situation and that's fine. But eventually you're going to have a down year. Cut payroll then, you know, like cut payroll when Francisco Lindor leaves in two years. But you don't need to be shaving 30 million dollars off the payroll now that that doesn't help anybody. And and you're just making your work harder and and it's going to be tougher in the AL Central this year. Yeah,
0: <clears throat> and the reality is their, their television contract stinks compared to other teams, and it was formulated before we saw this huge economic boom when it came to sure, television. Sure, but
1: you know it's going you know to be better when it runs out in three years.
0: Yeah, guy a that just stole better. my second point.
1: Sorry, sorry, sorry.
0: <laughs> Anything else you need me to tee up for you? <laughs> yeah, a random Indian of the day. <laughs> That's on you, man. That's on you. Um, I've got one. We've probably done it before, though. So, so I mean, uh, people have referenced, well, they get really good ratings, and, and that's very true, and that should hopefully help them when it comes time to negotiate a new TV contract, however that goes, along with just the economics in baseball. Part of the problem is we have to try to or kind of take them at their word when they say certain things about their, their financial structure, and we're never going to get an, an inside look at how the money is spent and whether or not they're telling the absolute truth. One of the biggest issues is you have such a, a glaring difference between a perception of the game growing and you're seeing teams sell for billions of dollars, not billions, but a billion dollars. And, and you're seeing that out there, and the perception there is that these owners just have to be rolling in money, and then you see teams like the Indians who are saying, no, nope, we can't afford it. Even the Cubs who obviously have a higher payroll than the Indians, but they've cried poor this entire offseason. And you're thinking, like, how can, that, how can that even be a reality, knowing the way that the game has grown financially and, and what these TV contracts could be and, and all the different ways that you could generate money? This doesn't seem possible. So there's that disconnect there. And you just the team is asking you to just trust that what, you're, what they are telling you is the truth, but everyone has a hand in trying to get their narrative pushed to the very top. So I don't really know. We're not sitting in there in their financial meetings, staring at their their books. So it makes it very, very difficult to just say, "Yep, what they're saying is absolutely true," and they just can't afford to run a hundred twenty million dollar payroll out there. And I can understand where they're coming from.
1: Yeah, I think there's a difference between can't and won't. I mean, I, I look, I I don't know, I. I know you don't have the cash in hand, but eventually you're going to sell and you're going to, you're going to make like more than a billion dollars. Like anything you've ever lost is not going to matter the day you sell the team. And I'm not saying you should sit here and lose 30 million a year, but I don't think that's what's happening either. And I, I don't know. Again, I, I mean, I keep drawing back to the the sit down I had with him last spring because he even said, you know, the years you make money are usually the years you're rebuilding because your your payroll is really low. And it's like, okay, well then why are you cutting so much payroll now? <laughs> like it doesn't make sense. And I, I do think there's a bit of a disconnect too where I mean he admitted he has a rosier outlook than most people probably do. And I think he I think he just assumes that the team's gonna be good and that you know, they're, I, I do think he was put off a little bit by 2017. You know, they signed Edwin, they signed, they gave Boone Logan $7 million. They would never, ever, ever do that again. And, you know, they, they were a juggernaut heading into the playoffs and then they fizzled against the Yankees. And I think they got a little bit of cold feet then, um, just because the playoffs are a little bit random. <clears throat> and So I think they're like, I think Dolan's thought process now is, well, we don't need this huge expensive juggernaut we just need a good team that can win the division and and be formidable in the playoffs to the point that they got at the right time and win the world series and so you know there's give and take with that it's
0: yeah but also you can look at where they're at in the on the win spectrum and if you're a let's say you're where the astros are at an extra two wins to the Astros doesn't really mean much, or the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. An extra two wins for the Dodgers doesn't really mean much. An extra two wins to the Indians could mean the
1: world. It, it really could mean that, the world. and that's the issue. People. Yeah, that,
0: that, where they're at on the win spectrum, buying a couple of additional wins, not even through superstars, but just guys that are are solid. Um, I mean, I've I've looked at the off field, and and we've talked about it before. There are guys out there that I. If you told, if you didn't have to worry about wins and losses, I would absolutely be interested to watch Bradley Zimmer go out and try to play everyday outfield, just out of curiosity to see what he could be. Because at one time he was a top prospect, and that doesn't happen by accident. There are still tools there that are tangible. Same thing with, with I, I feel like you could do that with almost anybody. Jake Bowers is 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 he garbage or is he actually a guy that? that they liked because he was having a, a, a successful minor league career being one of the younger guys at the level that he was at, something the Indians clearly very, very much value. Now, there yeah, are Jordan Luplo against
1: just, righties, Fran Mill Reyes yeah, in the yeah. outfield, Daniel Johnson, Bobby Bradley. I mean, there's a ton of examples, yeah.
0: My thing is, how do you raise your floor? And, and by that is just the guaranteed level of production – that you feel like, even at your worst, it's not going to get worse than this. Now, maybe I should always adjust that, knowing what we've seen in this city from all of, all the sports teams that are here. Uh, but raising the floor is what I'm I'm most concerned with now, because you're not going to go out and get a star more than likely to go play in your outfield. Um, it, it's not so much that I don't know, even even some of the, the the more crazy ideas that I've heard. To me, it's just going out and getting a solid, sturdy guy that I know what he is and that if you have faults somewhere else, then, yeah, you have a bunch of other guys that they could can plug in and, and maybe one of them catches fire. I mean, you got a lot of them. There, there is a chance that one of those guys overperforms expectations, and there are reasons to be interested, I think, in, in pretty much every single outfielder that they have, but just not a lot of known commodities. So go get you a guy that raises your floor a little bit. Maybe, maybe the ceiling's not impacted, but at least you know what the steady production is. And we've talked about Yasil Puig. It's a guy that you would think does that. And there's been reports about what he wants, whether it's into the, what, $14, $15 million I think somebody reported per year, still looking for multi-year deals. Okay, in that essence, I understand why the Indians haven't jumped to trying to offer him a contract. But still, there, there are guys out there that could help raise the floor just a bit. And that's what I'm most concerned with at this point.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, the the whole theory that you're trying to get hot at the right time, catch lightning in a bottle to win a World Series. Well, it's like the best rosters have the best chances of getting hot at the right time. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. The more talent you have, the better the chance you have of of getting hot, of rattling off a bunch of wins in a row. So, I mean, it, it's – you're right. you, you got to raise the floor because we saw they didn't care about the floor last year and, well <laughs> – like they fell <laughs> And the from- floor was lava. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so, I don't know. It's, it's an exhausting conversation because everybody's right. <laughs> like, I-, I mean, I, I hate the tired low hanging fruit that is hashtag Dolan's with a Z cheap. Um, but those who are thoughtful about it have the right to be frustrated. And at the same time, I think we can recognize, you know, the Indians are a stable franchise and they've done some really good things. And we're probably going to look back one day and and look at this stretch as comparable to the nineties, just probably without some of the personalities and the larger than life characters um, and, and the sellout crowds. Uh, But the, the difference is that, you know, it seemed like that, those teams retooled every year and they went, you know, if they lost Albert bell, they went and got Matt Williams. You know, they lost one guy and got another. They made some really bad moves along the way. The difference is you have a really capable front office here who, who seems to make, to hit on most things they do. You just got to back them a little bit more. Give them some wiggle room. The, The problem is that they haven't had the margin for error. So when they do make a mistake, it proves more costly than it needs to. And that's why you have Carlos Gonzalez and Hanley Ramirez taking at-bats in the cleanup spot in April and May and into June. And, you know, you miss out on some of the, the cheaper free agents who, who signed elsewhere, and then you can't recover. It's too late. You can't recover. So, you know, it's just th- their margin for error is so thin, and that's really hard to do, especially over a long period of time. Yeah, and uh, last year,
0: unfortunately, they picked – Guys like Gonzalez and Ramirez, Hanley Ramirez, over Matt Joyce and Cameron Maben, who both ended up. And looking at Joyce in spring training, he looked like a guy. In, I know he was coming off what was the back issues. Uh, he looked yep. pretty dreadful in spring training. At least Well, in Cameron like Mabin was,
1: couldn't hit AAA pitching and then randomly went to the Yankees and started crushing everything.
0: And he got off to – they signed him late, so he got off to a late yeah. start. Uh, in spring training, too, so maybe that was at play uh either one of those guys would have been uh better served staying around and uh that would be one of the uh, the rare swings and misses by the the front office
1: yeah speaking of uh i guess I'm trying to not lottery ticket but uh random free agent signings that the Indians were hoping to catch lightning in a bottle with I've got a random uh Indian of the day for you. All right, if you want it. I am so ready. All right, this guy ended his career with the Indians in 2005. A memorable season for Cleveland. Um in his career he played 7 major league seasons. He posted a 679 OPS. He had 31 home runs in 844 plate appearances, which is not bad. Um in, in fact, 18 of those 31 home runs came in one season, 2001. And those 18 home runs came in 83 games. He had a, he had a good year in 2001. Um, signed with that the was, Indians in November but, but, of oh four.
0: So you only spent Indians.
1: one year with them. Yes, only one year with the Indians, 2005. Ended his career. Mm. uh I'm drawing a blank played first base some corner outfield a little third base earlier in his career um with the indians he only played 19 games he did not hit well 196 211 286 oh, okay. slash line he had one walk in 57 God. plate appearances uh oh. one home run Yeah, I got nothing.
0: (laughs) I thought maybe he had a little bit of a longer or at least more impactful career with the Indians. I got nothing based on that.
1: So he was 30 years old that year, and that was it. I mean, he spent most of the year at AAA and crushed AAA pitching, but just could not do anything in the majors. Um, After he... He that was it for I don't I wonder what happened here. Three years later, he randomly signed with the White Sox, and spent the 2008 season at AAA with them. That was it. it there was nothing in 2006, nothing in 2007, and nothing after 2008. Uh, he, but the he White had to Sox, have gone
0: and played professional ball elsewhere. Then I'm assuming,
1: possible. not in Japan or Korea or anywhere that would be. Well, let's see. Actually, maybe this isn't showing up. Okay, he did go to Japan. Why didn't that show up at first? All right, he went to Japan for two years. Do you want his stats with the Cebu Lions?
0: (laughs) No, that's okay. Uh, But I'm still...
1: They weren't very good, but he has a ton of power.
0: I'm still... not. I got nothing.
1: He spent most of his career with the White Sox. He was a first-round pick. Um, He played for the White Sox and then the Rays... The Expos for a minute. The Brewers for a few seconds. And then the Indians. I don't know. I often get this person confused with Lee Stevens. Uh... Because of the positions. Lee Stevens, I think, had a better career, but
0: give up? Yeah, I think so. I, I can't think of who it is.
1: Jeff Leifer.
0: Holy crap. Yeah. Now that you mention it, I have a brief, very brief memory. According uh, to Baseball Reference, a career
1: war of negative
0: 2.8. I had a, uh you, know, you always get the, the rookie cards and your packs of cards and uh, you always I don't root for them in their careers, but you kind of want that card to mean something. So I remember when I got that card uh, and he was one of the top prospects, you're thinking, OK, maybe this guy's going to have a nice career. And at the time, his I mean, that, that name kind of stands out. So anytime you see him pop up, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And then nothing. So that card that I have would have been better suited going into the spokes of my bicycle or pretty much anything <laughs> else.
1: Yeah, the 2001 season was technically his rookie year. He had 18 home runs in 83 games, 833 OPS. I mean, everybody was doing that that year. But it seemed promising. And then after that, his highest OPS in a season was
0: 667. Yikes. All right, well, yeah, completely stumped me on that one. Good job.
1: Yeah, hopefully we haven't done Jeff Leafert before.
0: No, yeah, I, I can I can assure you we have not, just because I remember his rookie baseball card that I had. And it was like even one of those cards that was it was different than the normal packs. It was like shinier and special edition. You're thinking, oh yeah, this, this dude's gonna be no.
1: For the same reason, nothing. for the same reason I was always a huge fan of Terry Schumpert. <laughs> on the Colorado Rockies.
0: Yeah. He amounted to nothing. Yeah, of course. Well, you can subscribe to the podcast where,
1: Zach? How about Stitcher or Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google?
0: That is one place you can do that. And you can also help support the podcast like a handful of you do over at Anchor. If you'd like to help support the podcast on a monthly basis, help keep us going. Because as we've said many times before, we're not affiliated with any website or Nobody's powering us. It's just Zach and I sitting down doing this together in our free time. So we do appreciate everybody that kind of helps us uh, push this episode out every single week, sometimes more than that. And I am very much looking forward to whatever game you have in the back of your mind that we will soon be reviewing before the, the before spring training uh, begins.
1: It's, it's going to be a must-listen episode because there's so much. I mean, the game itself was great, but there's so much. So many extracurriculars. (laughs) Um, But I don't want to spoil too much. We'll we'll talk.
0: You know how much I love that. Uh, One quick shout out before we get out of here. I know uh, you were helping organize something for our friend uh, Matt Lodi.
1: Yeah, so this isn't... I mean, we're recording this on... What day of the week is it? Tuesday? (laughs) November? Uh It's, yeah, on Tuesday. And we're not... This isn't being promoted quite yet, so you're getting an exclusive here on the Selvius Godcast. Uh, That's what we do for our listeners. But um, on February 4th, which is, I guess, what, two weeks from right now, right? Uh, Because it is a Tuesday. Tuesday, February 4th, we'll be hosting a Cleveland Sports Trivia Night fundraiser. All proceeds will go to Matt Lodi. Tickets are 20 bucks. It gets you... Access to play trivia. The winning teams will get some really cool prizes. Um, We've got a raffle. We've got like courtside Cavs tickets, Indians tickets, memorabilia, all sorts of things. Um, So it's catered. 20 bucks gets you food. It gets you into the trivia contest. All your favorite sports media, Cleveland sports media people will be there. Only your favorite ones. I know. There are some who (laughs) ruffle fans' feathers. Um, We won't let them come in. But uh, it should be really fun. And every cent will go to Matt Lodi as as we help him through his his battle. Um, And so it'll be a cool night. I should mention where it is, I guess. (laughs) Bottle House Brewery in Lakewood um, on Madison Avenue. It's a cool spot. Um, so yeah, we hope to see as many of you out there as possible. There is an Eventbrite um, page. So if you go to Eventbrite, if you search Lodi, L O E D E, you can find it pretty easily. You can buy tickets right now. If you'd like, you can, you can buy tickets in advance. You can pay at the door with cash, or you could just donate to the cause. If you are busy that night, or if you don't like, social functions, you hate Cleveland Sports Trivia, or you think Cleveland Sports Media members smell bad, just donate to Matt Lodi. That works too. Um and also, since I assume we'll have some listeners of the podcast in attendance, if you've left a five star review and you show me that you left a five star review, this would probably be a good time to get me to pay up on my dues because I have promised for years if you leave us a five-star review, I'll buy you a beer. So I'll open a tab that night, and we'll get her going.
0: I do think it is important, though, just to prove that you listen to this podcast very frequently, that if you want that five-star review, beer from Zach, you have to utter the word quad.
1: <laughs> if anyone does that, I'll, I'll not only buy you a beer, but I'll <laughs> buy you like a cocktail, too. That
0: will <laughs> um, be impressive. I'll make this easier on everybody. Um, I will drop a link into the description of this show. So if you're looking for more information, you just pop open the description of this particular podcast and you'll be able to find the link there. So hopefully that'll help anybody else that is trying to to figure out how to help out or how to stop by, how to be part of the fun. And it does sound like it's going to be a good time. Any parting words for our listeners this week?
1: Yeah, I just wanted to say we'll also be presenting Paul Dolan with a lifetime achievement award at the at the fundraiser. So it should I be a thought, really good time.
0: I thought we were trying to get people to come out. In anyways, in any case, until next time, we are out of here. Holy shit, Tribe Fest is almost here. The next time we meet might be uh around that time. So, you know, once Tribe Fest gets here, then it's spring training, right around the door. Right around the door. I'll Michigan. tell
1: you what. I'll see you at the random jersey <sighs> rack at the uh, at the sales aisle or whatever the little section where they sell old random jerseys.
0: Yes, that and old baseball bats. It's, uh, just still searching for the old uh, Chris McGruder walk-off bat that I used uh, to to end that game back in two thousand two. You know that's a that's a good item. That's the game
1: we're reviewing.
0: Oh, no, I gave it away. Have a good week, everybody. We are out of here. See ya.
1: The Selby is Godcast, featuring Zach Meisel and TJ Zuppi, is presented by our supporters at Anchor. To help support the podcast, visit anchor.fm slash Godcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, we sure hope you do, be sure to leave us a five star review. And if you have suggestions, drop us a DM on Twitter at Selby is Godcast. Thanks for listening.